You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. Stella Metzvas is a Greek-American nutritionist who taps into secrets from the healthiest villages in Italy, France, Greece, and Spain to revolutionize our approach to healing the gut, improving diet, and increasing beauty. In her new book, Wild Mediterranean, she combines age-old food and lifestyle wisdom with science, new research, and best practices. And the result? Well, a modern and delicious formula for overall health and vitality. We had a lot of fun on this interview talking about something that I'm very passionate about. It's nature's healing gold. So help me welcome Stella Metzavas. All right. Welcome to the show, Stella. Happy to have you on today. Thank you, Dr. Pound. I am beyond excited to join your wonderful podcast and discuss all things gut health and Mediterranean diet. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of Mediterranean health. I, I first learned about it back uh, when I came across um, one of Dean Ornish's books, um, and and I just got I fell kind of in love with it. Became huge fans, and specifically in something we'll talk about a little later, olive oil. I'm a huge fan. I I, I don't eat it like it all, as much as I would like to, but I'm sure that you've got some good stuff to share with us today. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. And uh, yes, you know the Dr. Ornish's principle of of what originally began as a complete vegan diet um, is all about the plant fiber. And one thing that uh, is crucial to know about the ancestral Mediterranean diet is that in villages, you know, the real way of the Mediterranean diet is literally filled with plant fiber. And what I mean by plant fiber are vegetables, of course, seasonal and, you know, used in a variety of ways from fresh to braised uh, to baked. And, and it is the largest component of the Mediterranean diet. In fact, the Cretan diet, which is studied to be the, you know, the most ancestral ancient way to eat a Mediterranean um, um, ingredient foodless, composed mainly of wild grains. So over 60% of their diet was wild grains. We call them horta. Um, but that's just one example of how heavy in plants the Mediterranean diet is and what led me uh, into uh, really taking the plan I integrated in my own private practice and making it mainstream and, and really understanding the true component of of the Mediterranean way. Now, I want to get into the, your background a little bit and where you, how you got to where you are today, because I'm sure you didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be, you know, all into food, or maybe you did, I don't know, but. Uh, where, how well, is it that I'll, you got to this point in, in, in the fact that you became a specialist in the Mediterranean diet? Well, I'll tell you first and foremost, I am Greek. So if you know a Greek, many of, of your listeners probably do or have visited a Greek restaurant um, or an event of some sort. You know, it, It's all about the food, really. We show love and, and connection and fun through, through food. We're, we're very much, actually, the Mediterranean culture is very, very food-oriented. So um, I, I believe as a little girl, I, <laughs> I began to take interest in, in food uh, because my grandfather was a fisherman and I was always so fascinated by the fish and, and wanted to clean them. Of course, I, I, I couldn't hold a 
a cleaning tool and knife at the age of three, but uh, there are photos in my book trying to clean the fish. And, and uh, the fascination became, um, you know, something greater on, greater purpose later on in my life. But, you know, I did veer off of the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle that I grew up on. So I began to swim at around uh, the age of eight years old. And by the time I turned 10, 11, um, I was, I was getting pretty good competing for the United States, USA swim. And my diet changed drastically. So I went from the ancestral Mediterranean diet, plant heavy, um, mostly organic pasture raised meats, quality fats like olive oil, of course, and goat butter. We were really big on goat butter in, in, in our household, um, to literally Everything processed carbohydrate, granola, cereals, bagels, donuts, um, name it. You know, of course, my mother still cooked Greek, but we were told that I needed these high carb values in my diet, especially from, from, from these particular sources. So I went from, and I, and I saw the photos to date, really the transition of being vibrant. You know, of course, many children are vibrant when they're young, but literally in, in, in a course of a year or two, I... I became so lethargic. Uh, my skin was was dull versus how it was before, supple and and you know, just you can tell when someone is healthy by their skin, as as I'm sure you know many of of you know. Um, but as a young child, that changed, and 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 you know, my coaches and and my doctors thought it was due to the chlorine, and and you know, I was lethargic because I was overtraining. Why was that not happening to other people? Um, you know, swimming the same amount as I was, you know, I was genetically gifted. I'm very strong, but yet I wasn't able to carry out these tasks. So long story short, um, I, I ended up quitting at the age of 17 because mentally and physically I was so fatigued. Um, but my interest in human performance was always there. And my first major with sports medicine and I took a nutrition course, an introductory nu nutrition course, and I was hooked. Literally, you know, understanding my macronutrients and, and, and their functions in the body, especially applying it to, to athletics, um, really created a, a fascination for me that, you know, really back then, so in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I, when I was in college, um, most of the literature was still going on the trend of fat-free. So I still didn't feel good. You know, I still had these issues of, you know, just not feeling vibrant. Um, and I attended a, a gut health seminar in 2006 uh, through Metagenics, which is now Genova. And let's say I was about 26, 27 at the time, and they gave all the attendees a gut microbiome kit. I mean, this was pretty, it was a big kit. You know, you, you see these type of extraction kits with people that are sick. So when I, when, when I, you know, received the kit, I just put it in the back of my filing cabinet in my, in my office. And I thought, okay, well, I'll take it at a certain point. So six months later, I ended up looking for a file, and there was the test. And I said, you know, it was given to us free. Why not take it? The results came back, and I was shocked because for years I was severely anemic. Again, you know, everybody attributed that to overtraining and, and being female. Um, 
I was put on high doses of iron. The iron was oversaturating in my blood. So I had high levels of iron in my blood and, you know, that caused also gastric distress. So I found out that I had a pretty serious case of dysbiosis and an imbalance of gut bacteria and other factors that um, were definitely probably picked up by swimming in a public pool. And um, it took about two years to really remedy, you know, that situation. Uh, But when I did, everything changed about how I looked at food, how I viewed my time in the villages of Greece growing up in the summers, what people ate, and it naturally brought me back to that platform. So everything I was, you know, teaching in my private practice, applying for my clientele, changed with my own health. So that's how I got to where I am today. (laughs) I love this. And as as you bring that stuff up, I think this conversation is going to be interesting for my listeners because we're going to probably talk about things we don't normally talk about. I know you've got a background in eating healthy and and we're going to talk about that. But And one of them is with, which I I discovered, this was in school, which was uh, olive oil, the healing properties of olive oil. And I remember I had, had, we had learned about, we were learning natural ways to heal things. And one of those way, one of those things that came up was uh, common uh, jock itch, actually. And mm. they were this this professor was making the argument that you could use olive oil. This is something we don't talk about normally, but I I think that's hilarious because when this was brought up, I took it to the one of the medical doctors, another professor. And I said, oil, olive oil for a rash. He said, well, that makes sense because it actually decreases the chance of fungus connecting, and so and, and as well mm. as making the skin healthier and preventing further infection. So then, then I got really fascinated. I started digging deep into the healing properties of olive oil and I uncovered so many things. I mean, it may be taking it to a, a too far of an extreme, but I was just fascinated with this, probably this, this nature's gold that people have been using for, you know, centuries to, to heal naturally. Uh, my first story about olive oil and the benefits Aside from monounsaturated fats, so most of the time people are going to hear that it's a healthy fat because it's a monounsaturated fat. But if we really go beyond that, and this is where olive oil is going, it's quite fascinating. Um, what I, I like to call him a friend. Dr. Roberto Crea uh, gave Genentech their first patent. He is an incredible scientist um, that uh, is, it comes from Italy and uh, really focuses in on many aspects of, of health, including glucogenesis and uh, so, so diabetes and, and really trying to take compounds and make them uh, feasible for pharmaceutical use. Now, that aside, um, when he first brought up the story of olive oil, I thought he was just going to mention that, you know, Italian olive, olive oil is, is the best. And then I would come in and say, no, Greek olive oil is the best. Right. Uh, but, but really, um, I'll never forget it. I was at the fancy food show in San Francisco, and he mentioned that while doing some research in his lab, he had a copper... Um, copper instrument to, to, to stir, uh, in, in the beaker. And, uh, he had left the copper beaker, I'm sorry, the copper in the beaker that contained water from the leaves of olives. So he was always fascinated. Where does all this water go from the pressing of the leaves? Okay. Of, of the olive tree. And, 
you know, he thought, well, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll figure it out at a certain point. Long story short, he gets back and the copper is shining in a way that you couldn't even get a, a, a commercial copper cleanser that would make it this shiny. So he discovered hydroxytyrosol. And hydroxytyrosol is such an important plant polyphenol that comes from, that was first discovered in the leaves of olives. There are so many applications from natural ways to preserve food to taking, ingesting it, um, using it topically. I can't even begin to tell you how many different skin products now contain hydroxytyrosol. So that was my first fascinating introduction to olive oil, aside from, again, the monounsaturated fats and, and how good it is to include in your diet. The other was a study published around 2012 and how extra virgin olive oil could be a key benefit to your gut bacteria. And when I say a key benefit, everybody is hooked on these probiotics, you know, and, and that's something that I'd really like to get into after, after, after olive oil um, chat here. Olive oil is not only rich in polyphenols, that gut bacteria thrive on. So when you provide your gut microbiome naturally occurring polyphenols, um, these plant compounds, it, it, polyphenols occur in the gut through secondary meta, metabolic processes. And when that is, is, is absorbed by the gut bacteria, you create such harmony in the gut where the biodiversity that is, that is, promoted as being the best way to achieving optimal gut health is promoted through polyphenols and the induction of olive oil in your diet. So there's a story that I featured in my book, George. George is like 65 years old. He takes a shot of olive oil, like a raw shot of olive oil every morning. And he's a goat herder. Of course, he walks a lot. You know, people may, may think he, he does not have a stressful life. Well, you know what? He does have a stressful life. If, he, if he's not, you know, hurting the sheep and selling the product, he's not going to eat. <laughs> so to me, that's a pretty stressful life. But he is surrounded by these age-old science new practices that I talk about every day, all the time, and that is taking olive oil, so that's an age-old practice of Mediterranean culture, and the science new comes in by studying it and its value for digestive health. When you, when you look at just olive oil as a oil, um, not only is it an effective lubricant for your intestines, okay, so those, those fat molecules go in and, and kind of create um, a, I don't want to say, a, you have mucosa, that aligns your, your intestines. And this mucosa is extremely important to your immune system. It is your immune system. So as you know, uh, your immune system is your gut. I mean, both of them serve equal purposes in the body. So this mucosa is a huge, huge factor in, in overall health and especially immune health. Olive oil goes in and I can definitely provide you, you know, studies if you would like to research more. Maybe you could post it on your website with this podcast. Um, totally fascinating that not only is it an intestinal lubricant, but also provides a feeding frenzy, a positive feeding frenzy 
in the bacteria in your gut through the polyphenols. The big controversy, which many people don't even know about, which is where to get olive oil from and what constitutes true olive oil. Sure. I mean, we all want the best olive oil, right? I mean, there's nothing worse than having a bad olive oil. I mean, I just, I can't even, uh, number one, rule of thumb, olive oil should smell like olives. And when you have, let's say you're out, you have a salad or, or, you know, you, you purchase an olive oil. When you pour that olive oil into just a plain little, like a, like a, like a plate of some sort, and, and try to use a white plate, it should not be overly runny. It should be pretty, pretty thick and smell like olives. Now, if I can make a recommendation on olive oils, because I, I have the fortune of, of, you know, being sent olive oils from, from many different companies and, and, you know, just, just knowing which are my favorite, um, the best olive oil and the most value priced, the biggest bang for your buck actually is from Trader Joe's. Um, it's the unfiltered Greek olive oil. It comes in a, um, I want to say like a nine, I'm actually getting up, <laughs> walking to my kitchen right now, so I make sure your listeners know. Um, it's the unfiltered organic Greek extra virgin olive oil, and it comes in a 17-fluid-ounce bottle. It's organic and unfiltered. My favorite olive oils are unfiltered because you're literally tasting not only the olives, but that beautiful earth that they're growing in. And uh, I believe this bottle costs like $5.99. It's so inexpensive. I mean, it is just, I go through like two bottles of that a week. I consume a ton, a ton of olive oil. And it's usually raw. I do not like to cook uh, with olive oil um, higher than, say, a medium uh, temperature. I just believe, again, combining the age-old science new value of Mediterranean diet and lifestyle, yes, you'll go to the Mediterranean, you'll even see people frying in olive oil. But now we have the research that suggests it is not only a super healthy olive oil, but because of the nutrients um, that are included, these polyphenols, so these antioxidants, heat destructs that. And you want to make sure that you, it, it, to me, olive oil is like a vitamin, you know, that, and I'm sure you probably view it the same being that, you know, you, you, you probably have a nice collection in your home, right? <laughs> you probably have like a, a few different varieties, it sounds like. So, you know, there's finishing oils, there's cooking oils. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm speaking of olive oils here. And the less you cook with it, the better. So olive oils to me, they're green gold, you know, it's, it's really, it's nature's gold and making sure that that smell is there of, of olives is your number one sign of a quality olive oil. If people knew how much money I spent on olive oil, this would not, They're pricey. <laughs> they would think I, there was I something know. wrong with me. When I first started learning <laughs> that you, I can go to my a grocery store and get an olive oil and it may not even contain olive oil. And when I started yeah. learning about the import export, you know, where it comes from, what it's made of, how to taste like a good olive oil, what it should taste like, you know, like you said, kind of that earthy taste, it usually that does increase the cost somewhat, but then you get into all the different flavors. And I just kind of fell in love with the social aspect. You know, I have people come over and we have an olive oil bar, oh, you know, wow. just people can just socialize around it and try different combinations. And I, lo I love it. You know, what a, what a beautiful way to, to, 
to look at you know the promotion of the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle, just the social aspect alone. And I, I, I don't know if you want me to venture off of olive oil for a moment, but but really we better because we were going to, I could probably talk all night on this. <laughs> we could, we could chat olive oil for hours, right? <laughs> At least, you know, I, I, I certainly could. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the, the thing about where we are today as a culture with all this amazing information, we are living in such an incredible time uh, because these studies, especially relevant to the gut microbiome and overall health, are not only important, it aligns with, with beliefs of the past, the way cultures have lived that have proven to be healthy. Now, if you were to take diets like, for example, the ketogenic diet, which I do think has some merit to it, in, in certain cases, um, if we were to just look at the Mediterranean lifestyle and what that provides, not only to our overall physiology, but more importantly to your gut, I'm huge right now in gut circulation. So gut circulation means that if we're not circulating, so those 10,000 steps a day that most Mediterraneans walk, that is essential not only to your, you know, your frame of your body being leaner, uh, it's essential to your digestive health. The more circulation you have in your body, the better your digestive health will be. And there are a few studies out there that, that, that are just incredible when it comes to gut circulation and the microbiome. The Japanese were the first to, to take into account um, uh, these plant compounds in, in forest bathing. So, so walking in a forest and breathing in those molecules and, and that in turn affecting not only your mind health, but your gut health as well. So now research is taking it one step forward, uh, one step further. And for example, if you recall the study about five years ago that, that sitting in a chair is just as dangerous than smoking. I, I thought that, that headline was a little misleading, <laughs> obviously. Um, but there is a huge component to that that makes sense where those researchers five, six years ago didn't necessarily understand that um, sitting for long periods of time is number one, worse for your gut health. And how does that affect the rest of your body? I believe, and I've said this many times, if the eyes are the window to your soul, then the gut microbiome is the window to your health. So the lifestyle of the Mediterraneans is equally as important in my mind, assuming you eat somewhat healthy, lifestyle and food to me are almost equally as important. Yeah, it's really hard to eat yourself out of that sedentary problem that you're going to come up with. And I've interviewed hundreds of patients, you know, in their 80s and 90s and other so many medical doctors and other healthcare providers and specialists in this field. And by far the 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 common thread among all of them, you know, there could be so many different opinions on everything, but the one thing that is never ever different is moving. And I love that you talked about it from yeah. the standpoint of gut health because a lot of people don't talk about it that way. They talk about it from a muscular standpoint or musculoskeletal mm -hmm. standpoint, from a circulatory standpoint. But from a gut, that just makes sense. You, you sit there and everything just kind of sits in your gut. It doesn't move as well. But we know as you move, it kind of moves things through. 
through and that's that's going to pick up the metabolism it's going to make things easier and things digest in different places and so the release of different nutrients throughout the gut i love it it's a beautiful statement Thank you. And, and, you know, the analogy that I've always used with, with, with whenever I'm speaking to, to, to journalists and, 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 and doing interviews, uh, imagine all the pressure you're putting when you sit in a chair. Imagine the pressure you're putting just, just on your bum, you know, where your colon is and, and, and how that relates to circulation in the gut. So imagine you are consuming the best diet, right? But you're sitting all day. What does that mean? How does that, how does that translate into overall health? If you're striving for optimal health, and I'm assuming most people that are listening really, really want to gear on on that, I can flood my body with the best foods out there. And yes, that is important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've made a life out of it studying it, researching it, promoting it. But if you are sedentary, what, how does that translate into the overall picture of really being healthy and, and optimal health? People that have lived it for centuries where we can look and say, hey, these villagers of all ages have, have lived this way. They walk this many steps. They consume these seasonal foods. Most of the Mediterranean diet is plant-based. I'd say at least 40% of the, the real Mediterranean diet is plant-based, at least 40% and, and even upwards to 60. So the view we have in our minds of, you know, the Mediterranean diet being pasta, you know, carb rich, of course, you're going to have amazing pastas when you go to Italy. And, you know, when you're in France, they have the most fantastic potatoes I've ever had in my life. You and better believe it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the roasted chicken. Oh, my God. Um, and Greece, you know, of course, we have amazing dishes there that are really starch heavy. But the day-to-day diet, plant heavy, walk a lot. Those are the, if I could give your listeners two key takeaways, those are the two key takeaways of the Mediterranean diet and lifestyle. Walk a lot and eat plants. <laughs> It can seem overwhelming, you know, if someone's busy and they're in a hurry and they don't, you know, prepare their food or maybe they don't have the luxury or maybe they think it's expensive or maybe it takes a lot of time planning out the recipes. But let's say let's say that that's all true, you know, to a certain amount of people. If there was things that people should avoid, what would you recommend for at least cutting out of most people's diets to help them improve their health, their gut health? So... You know, the number one thing you have to admit, uh, omit, not admit, (laughs) omit today is fried food. I'd say fried food is one of the worst offenders. Um, Not only are you consuming a rancid fat, um, you're, you're also creating such destruction in the gut from these rancid fats that are so difficult to break down and become carcinogenic in the body. Um, That's number one. Number two, anything that is essentially patented as an ingredient, um, you know, from, from diet, low calorie sweeteners to, to, to nitrates to, to anything that is essentially man-made in a food product. I'm not, I never discourage 
allopathic medicine or modern medicine. There is a time and a place for everything. And I really am not the type of clinician. I, I respect all of my, you know, clinician friends, doctors alike. Um, doctors go through one of the most strenuous programs, medical school, and they're not applauded enough. But to get back to um, man-made um, ingredients from a food perspective, uh, this is something that you need to stay clear of. And I'd say the second and third offender are low-calorie sweeteners and um, nitrates that are usually used in meat products to, uh, to not only preserve the meat, but to, to create a, a consistency, uh, really because the initial product, the initial offering of the meat is, is low quality. You know, nitrates are used because the quality of the meat is low. That's why I also recommend in Wild Mediterranean, I know pasture organic meats are really expensive. I get it. I've seen the prices and I'm just in shock sometimes. But here's where I promote frozen. You know, you can pick up some beautiful uh, meats from, from, from venison to, to organic turkey to, to, to quail um, frozen. And, and, you know, it does not taste that much different. But the price is sometimes even compar- compared to conventional. When you have people actually seeking out some help from you, what are typically the, 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 what's the top problem that they're trying to solve that you can help with? So the top problem is definitely going to be bloating or not feeling, you know, their best, meaning they're not waking up with, with energy, you know, just, just needing that, that, that one, two, three cups of coffee to get started, needing that caffeine to actually produce bowel movements that is actually interconnected to your energy levels. All these things function on a circadian rhythm. You know, they're all, all working together simultaneously. And the mecca of it all is your gut health. So when a client tells me, you know, I feel bloated or I wake up and my God, I just can't get out of bed. And, and, you know, assuming they wake up at a reasonable time, you know, of course, if, if it's 4am, you're going to have difficulties rising, but you know, let's assume it's seven, 8am and you're having difficulties waking and, and it takes you a while to get started. Or you, you suffer from afternoon slumps where literally you need a diet Coke or, or, you know, another serious coffee drink, espresso shots to, to get going. Not that you love, you know, to have an espresso, but you need it. Um, these are the most important factors that I see bloating and fatigue. Those two, because guess what? Most people walk around with bloating and fatigue. Where can people find out more information on this topic relevant to the information that you publish? So let's see. Number one, um, if I could just give one application for people to do now, aside from omitting the foods we discussed, really use a food app like MyPlate um, or, or you know whatever food app you like to use to understand what it is you're eating. And in these 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 food apps are also lifestyle trackers. So number one, you're not going to get anywhere without understanding what you do day to day. Now 
you'd be surprised. Many people think, oh, I know, I know what, I, what I consumed yesterday. No, you're usually off. And I don't mean from a caloric standpoint. Um, also, steps per day. You need to know what you, what you consume on, on a daily basis and how many steps you take. Now, you don't have to do, do this every day. Once you get the information there, that's where you can get into understanding your macronutrient intake. So what I like to do is, is um, you know, based on your lifestyle and activities, understanding ma- macronutrients and how that relates to, to your dietary program is super important, but the sources of the macronutrients are even more. I, I love, so content for me uh, reading content comes from Science Daily. I don't know if you want me to to include other um, uh, blogs out there that that do a good job. Uh, I do like Well and Good. I think they do a wonderful job. Mind Body Green is great. Um, some of the content is a little off sometimes. You know, a little weird, but yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little weird sometimes. But but there is some some pretty good content in there. Um, and, you know, just, just knowing your base component of what you consume and, and how many steps you take is such a key to unlocking other, other areas in, in, into health and, and keeping gut health your mecca. That's where it's all at. That's where your health lives. Everything else from cardiovascular health to, to, to thyroid health to, to name it really, really depends on a healthy gut. And you've got a book out, right? I do. I have a wild Mediterranean published with penguin random house, uh, came out in 2017, last August, a year ago to, to date almost. And, uh, the reading line is the age old science new plan for a healthy gut with food you can trust. And if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to direct them? I'm super active on Instagram. So Instagram, you're going to see me on, on stories um, daily. And uh, that hashtag, I'm sorry, the handle is Wild Mediterranean. I'm also on Facebook, again, Wild Mediterranean. And you can uh, visit my website uh, at StellaMetsavas.com. And Stella, I'll include links to your website in this post. It's been a pleasure talking with you again. I could probably talk for hours, but we'll let we'll let people go for tonight. <laughs> and really, I, super super useful information. So I appreciate the time you took today. Well, I look forward to part two. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. Oh,